so helpful to know what you stand for and why you're here on earth. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. huge welcome home to our subscribers and a hearty greeting to our new listeners here at the Inspiring Leaders Podcast. I'm your host and executive coach, Terry Lepofsky. I've had some great bosses in my life and I've also had some that could have used a little bit of work. One of the most common reasons that leaders fall short is that they've not taken the time and done their due diligence to become more grounded and connected with their purpose. On episode 44 of Inspiring Leaders, Mr. Tim Stringer from Vancouver summarized the whole thing well when he said, inspiration happens when we're connected to purpose, and desperation happens when we're disconnected from it. Well, today, that's what we're focusing on. We're going to cover a vitally important topic for every people leader out there. Today, we're talking about the importance of being grounded. And joining us on this journey is an acclaimed author and an accomplished business leader. Coming to us from Bend, Oregon, Mr. Stephen K. Hacker. Stephen, a huge welcome to you and thank you so much for joining us today on the Inspiring Leaders Podcast. Thank you, Terry. I'm happy to be with you. Before we open this can of worms and dig in, let's take a second to find out where your inspirations have come from. Stephen, What leader has inspired you and why? Well, I think there's a host of great leaders in the world, and I love biographies and autobiographies. But one that stands out is a little bit atypical is uh, Ernest Shackleton. He's really known for being an Antarctic explorer. Sure was. He was brilliant. He started off wanting to reach the Antarctic. He went with Scott on Discovery Expedition in the early 1900s. They didn't make it. He later started his own got funding for his own exploration to reach the Antarctic, came close, came within about 100 miles, but decided to turn back when his life and the life of two others that were making the extended trip to the South Pole were in danger, and he valued life over fame. In the meantime, when he was about ready to launch his third, Ronald Emerson, who we know accomplished the South Pole arrival before anyone else, I think it was 1911, Yeah. Then he turned his attention to crossing the Antarctic. Once again, he proved that the energy, his passion, his focus, but a high value on human life and the life of the men that went with him. Disaster struck that crossing the Antarctic. It's a wonderful tale for the readers to pick up the biography of Shackleton and read that he turned back. All of his men survived. And at a time, that wasn't so typical. A lot of times the fame would overtake and people would just continue on losing some men along the way. But he really did devote himself to this exploration of the Antarctic, as well as the value of human life and teaming, because he was a different type of Anglo-Irish in origin, but a different type of explorer at the time. You know, I've done a little bit of reading on him as well. I've got a real passion for adventurers. The ambitious goal-setting nature that he had combined with that feet on the ground, keeping his wits about himself and not letting those goals take away from the process. I have to admit, that's a very, very inspiring person to look to. Absolutely. And he was recognized by the British Empire for that. Probably one of the most famous failures there is in history. He learned so much about the Antarctic, he passed that on. But in reaching the actual goals, he fell short. But in that, it helped define who he was and what he stood for. 
Now, you've got quite the background in corporate leadership. You've served in some pretty senior roles at Procter & Gamble, the Performance Center, which is a multi-university action research center, now with your own company, Transformation Systems International, where you're serving as the CEO, you're helping organizations around the planet with their overall effectiveness and making a big leap of change. You're helping organizations, HP, Hewlett Packard, IBM, the RCMP, governments around the world, including Africa and other locations. So some pretty spectacular practical leadership from you over the years, but I also know that you wear other hats too. You are a fabulous public speaker, you're a great trainer, and an amazing and accomplished writer on the topic of leadership coaching skills. In fact, you've authored nine books that are already on the store shelves, books like Work Miracles, The Trust Imperative, Transformational Leadership, Transformational Field Book, Leading Peak Performance, How to Coach Individuals, Teams, and Organizations to Master Transformational Change, and The Trust Memory Jogger. Just to mention a few of those, that is a lot of wisdom represented right there. And on some of these books, I know that you teamed up to co-author with one of our friends, the guy that we interviewed on episode 41 on this show, Dr. Marvin Washington from the University of Alberta. Now on your latest, your newest and 10th book, you have partnered with Dr. Washington again. The title of the book is Lead Self Before Leading Others. When can we expect to see Lead Self Before Leading Others on the bookshelves? Well, Terry, it's good timing because the book is now being released. It is from uh, Business Expert Press, where Marvin and I had the two previous books, and it should be out. So here's my take on things. There are a lot of great leaders, and there are also a lot of great authors, but rarely do we see this combination of both. You have this fantastic knack of relating information to people that engages them and that resonates perfectly. And I'm going to speculate that this is because of that combination of practical organizational leadership experience that you have and your ability to communicate so well when you're writing. And I'm so glad that you've decided to join us here and share some of your insights, particularly about the topic that we picked for today, the importance of being grounded. So if you don't mind, help us understand why this is important to ground ourselves to effectively lead other people. You catch me blushing now. (laughs) Thank you for the accolade. It's really just a passion. Well learned. Well, it's just a passion for understanding and things as they're in motion. So what I tell the listeners are that there's two fundamental forces at work that are unprecedented in our history of man on this earth, and that's the issue of accelerated change and increased complexity. Okay. If I look at accelerated change, you talk about the speed of man with respect to the face of the earth, and for the longest time, we just ran and walked and jumped on the back of a horse about 1400 BC, and it wasn't until the Industrial Revolution that we really did pick up speed past the horses. Yeah. And now, of course, we measure travel on earth with mock speed of sound. Right. Yeah. You can do that with life expectancy. You can do that even with population growth of the earth, which has mixed views, but we were only 600 million in 1000 AD and didn't reach our first billion until 1800, second billion about 1900. And now we're 
about 7273 billion people on the earth. Yeah. The population of the earth has nearly tripled in my lifetime. So you add all that movement, that fast movement in communication speed and medicine development, and it's just having an enormous impact on leaders. The second one being increased complexity. Yeah. So we like simple system. Again, the industrial engineering world, we like the issue of simple, controllable systems. A lot of the systems that we have now have overtaken us as we've moved to have increased diversity of systems, interdependence, adaptability, and connectedness. Some of these things are like smoke in the room now. You know the forces that are impacting it, but you can't predict where the smoke is going to end up. Yeah. So this complexity moving into chaos is causing, along with accelerated change, is causing leaders often to make a misstep. And I take it that uh, it has to do a lot with not being grounded. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you for sure. Yeah, so the development, if you look at leadership training, uh, Marvin Washington and I did a research project with several cohorts, the RCMP in Alberta, currently still doing the Alberta Health Services, taking a look at leadership development. And the move to leadership development has been around a long time. It's long focused on the ability to understand how business works or organizations works or how government works. When Daniel Goldman introduced 1995, his book entitled Emotional Quotient, EQ, yeah. we started taking a better look at relationships, uh, teaming and so forth. And that's been very productive over the last few decades. But this aspect of SQ, spiritual intelligence, Dana Zohar in 1997 in his book, Rewiring the Corporate Brain, captured the term, and it really looks at self-awareness, being connected to something greater, knowing who you are, being grounded, as I would say, yeah. having a personal mission, purpose, a vision, and values before you go out and start trying to influence others. That's the title of the book that Marvin and I just completed, which was, it, again, is Lead Self Before Leading Others. We really do need to take that time out, step back a little bit, and take a look within to figure out what it is that really kind of gets us going and what we're really great at, and bring all of those skills into focus a little bit more about what our purpose is while we're working through this world and helping other people and what it is we're doing for ourselves and our organizations. Bravo for that. This is such a great topic. The issue of having a corporate or organizational mission, vision, value. And to be ignorant of your own seems to be kind of backwards, kind of like you got the top of the pyramid defined, but the people that are supporting it are without knowledge or subtle knowledge and not explicit knowledge about who they are. And that can lead into a lot of missteps. So that's how you get a Volkswagen scandal, or American peanut scandal, or GM scandal, or airbag scandal. You get these because people then start flowing with the organization too much, and even good organizations, even corruption in good organizations, corruption in government. And they get down the road and they realize this isn't who I am, but they should have figured that out earlier. So helpful to know what you stand for and why you're here on earth. Mark Twain quote, the two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. So I think that day of finding out why you're here is pretty paramount. Again, given the forces, quick change. You just can't go along because everything is shifting so quickly. And if you're not grounded, you find yourself in trouble. I hear you. And I agree with this so much. And as a matter of fact, very well aligned with what you're talking about. I know that 
with some of my colleagues, in particular, my brother, executive coach Pat Lepovsky from Calgary. We work with a lot of leaders by using something called the Leadership Playbook. And the Leadership Playbook is really a framework that we bring to leaders to actually ask them those questions and bring this out so that they walk away with a very structured and well-thought-out vision and mission and values for themselves so that they can take a look at the organization and make sure that they are well aligned and in the right place and contributing in the right ways. Yes, I fully support that effort and coaches are doing a fantastic job helping people get grounded and even lead self before leading others. There's a life planning tool that is part of the book that we take people through as a practical way. Having said all that, Listeners should start right now. If they don't, even if they have version one, take it to version two. Write down why you think you're on earth, where you're going in the next three to five years, in all aspects of life. And then what are the two or three values you hold sacred that are going to govern your behavior uh, as you proceed along that vision line? That is so helpful in terms of showing up strong as a leader. So you mentioned Marvin Washington in a previous book, Leading Peak Performance, was actually a study about teaming. Well, we noted that the teams of the day are different than the teams of even in the 80s. There's been another twist in it that has allowed teams to actually increase performance. And that has to do with people coming together of purpose, as opposed to I want to join IBM or FBI or whatever the organization is because I admire their vision or I admire their work or their uniform or whatever it may be. It really is, this is who I am, and I'm looking for others to partner up with. You can go all the way back to the Impressionists and see how that informed their behavior in terms of going countercultural to the art of the day in France and actually creating a new type of art. They were individual contributors. They had this passion inside of them. Then they came together. That's fundamentally different than coming out of school and just saying, well, I want a good job. Let me join in with somebody. And then later <laughs> figuring out I, I got the right job or I got the wrong job. Or I'm hanging out with the right people, the wrong people. And then something bizarre happens to those that are not, are not causal with their lives. They start blaming the organization. Yeah, The organization was that way before you arrived. It's that way now. It has to do more with you in terms of defining who you are. I loved your example of the Impressionists. It was the synergy between them rather than their individual contribution that really changed the course of art. Yes. This is great information, and I love the fact that you've given us something that we can actually work on to help bring out that purpose for each one of us. If you don't mind, do you have any examples of where this can go astray? I do, Terry, and I think that actually I refer back to a Journal of Quality and Participation article I did back in 2015, and it emanated from a visit I had going to Sassenhausen concentration camp outside of Berlin. This concentration camp was built by the Nazis in 1936. It was not only used as a concentration camp, but also was used as a training ground for concentration camp guards. Once the war was over, it fell into East Germany, and the Soviets overtook it. And guess what they used it as? A concentration camp. Yeah, of course. And guess what they used? The training facilities outside the camp. They trained Soviet guards. Yeah. And then after the Soviet Union fell, the German state police took it over. It's still being used, in part, as a training camp for German police. So when I think about the young men mm -hmm. in those three different scenarios, Nazi, Soviet, and then the democratic government of Germany, the men and ladies walking into these training sites, who are they? 
And how did some move to do great work in the free world and some do horrible things? If you don't know who you are, the organization you join may take you in one direction that is very positive or in another direction that's very negative. It's up to the individual to define who they are. There's no greater gift than we're given by the higher power than to have choicing and understanding why we're here and where we're going. Viktor Frankl, who was a victim of Nazi concentration camp, Man's Search for Meaning was a seminal book, and he speaks to that and the issue of making choice. And so the role of being a zombie leader, being without any thought in your head about self, absence of grounding is a very dangerous thing to go into this world today as well as yesterday. Knowing what your purpose is is obviously a big piece of that puzzle. It's only after you answer that question that you can start to figure out what the patently unreasonables look like in your life. Yes. Yeah. And with that knowledge, we would have seen a different outcome. This is a process. Waiting on your deathbed to ask the Almighty why you're here, it's probably a little late to do that. You might have enough number of breaths left to answer the question, but it's much better to answer it as a young person and not get involved in cultish type of updrafts, but understand who you are and what you're about. We need to do that. And again, given today's environment, accelerated change, increased complexity, we better do it fast. One last word on this, Terry. Sure. A half answer is better than no answer. Yeah. A lot of people hesitate because they want to get it perfect. You start the process. Once you start the process, then you can move to a version two, version three, version four. And it actually takes more form, takes a stronger form. We find in our considerable work in doing this that actually the words become less. Each word means a lot more. And that purpose becomes more of a guide in life in all that you do beyond just vocation. It becomes who I am and why I'm here starts to take hold of the individual. And and that's very important. I like that. The words become less and the meaning for each word becomes more. Brilliant stuff. You have a lot of wisdom. And so I am absolutely looking forward to asking you our final two questions on the podcast. Here's the first one. What challenges do you see facing many leaders out there today? Well, I think that organizations as a whole, be it vocational or volunteer organizations, are going to be turning over even faster. We see that in the Dow. We see that in the S&P. Organizations are turning over. They're reinventing themselves or being put out of business quicker. So the, the role of transformative change is now upon all of us. It used to be that leaders, especially lower and mid-level leaders, their job was to do standardization of the processes as well as incremental improvement. Yeah. We're being asked to transform. Think about Amazon. Think about transportation with Uber. And there's just a host of examples where things have just, whole industries have evaporated and new ones filled the slot. So leaders, the challenges leaders have are really to start to learn how to do transformational change in their own lives, with their teams, with their organization. You gave some great examples. I'm even thinking of some well-entrenched and established organizations. Microsoft comes to mind. They've completely revamped their business model. That's transformational change as well. Yes. Now, here's my last question for you. What does inspired leadership mean to Stephen K. Hacker? Well, the word means a lot to me, inspired, of spirit. And so it's a funny thing. We talk about teen spirit. We talk about Free decor. Where does the individual spirit fit? And that defining of spirit, inspirational leadership to me, is people that have a spirit of purpose 
that's leading their actions. And when I see that, I'm attracted to it and I'm ready to jump in and help those types of leaders better develop that consciousness about spirit, actually lead with it. So inspirational leaders lead with spirit. They recognize a spirit in others. This is about let's join together and find the vectors of energy that we have in common. We're both empowering self and we'll join forces and actually get that uh, bump of team. I love the way you've described it. It's not just about finding that spark within yourself, but noticing in other people, seeing the smile that comes out on somebody's face when they're involved in a task, or seeing that they become alive a little bit more when talking about a certain aspect of something, and then recognizing that, hey, you know what? There's something in you that would really be valuable if you did X, Y, or Z. Thank you so much for this. And that's how you get the peak performance out of individuals and teams, is to tap that contract. All I know is you can't get peak performance out of zombies. Probably everybody listening will remember a time in their life when somebody saw something in them and encouraged them to move forward. It's a transformational thing when it happens, when somebody sees that certain something inside of you and encourages you to take that leap and move forward. I love what you've said. I think you've actually just helped every one of us, Stephen. So your perspectives, I think, are invaluable. And I'm very glad that you joined us on the Inspiring Leaders podcast to share them. Thank you sincerely. You're welcome, Terry. Tell your listeners that they can get articles, just download articles on my website, stephenhacker.com. And there's a host, including Zombies in the Workplace, probably the most read article I've done out of all. So stephenhacker.com and There's a number of articles they can tap in. I'm going to put links to your personal website as well as to the Transformational Systems website and your books and LinkedIn and every other place that I can think of connecting with you in the cyberspace. I'll make sure that all of that's in the show notes so we can find you and connect with you. Thank you very much. Those links will all be in the show notes. So head down there if you want to connect with them. And I'm sure many people will. And if you do like what you're hearing on Inspiring Leaders, please head over to iTunes and leave us a few stars. The more feedback this show gets, the easier it is for others to find us and hear great guests like Stephen Hacker. Your feedback is appreciated, and to be honest, it gives me the goosebumps when I read your comments. So thanks in advance for your feedback and for taking a few seconds to help us out. Well, that's another episode of Inspiring Leaders. Thanks for your ears, and I hope that you'll join us again next week as we continue to showcase great leaders from around the world to help you become a more inspiring leader. Take care, everyone, and bye for now. (laughs) 